Hello, everyone. We are back with another edition of the Sock Takes Pod. This is episode 53. We're sponsored by Roughneck Scarves. We took a little hiatus there. I think we uh, maybe took the whole month of July off or close to it. But um, we're a little busy there with the World Cup. So a lot of us were traveling. I know, John, you were traveling. I was traveling a little bit. So uh, been busy, but it's good to be back on the pod. We got a great panel, great show for you today. Um, I just mentioned John, John Leonard, our correspondent out in the Dallas area. What's good out there in Texas, John? The heat. It's lovely. It's been, it's cooled off from a couple weeks ago. So instead of being 113, it's only like 108, 105. And right now it's sitting at a nice, comfortable 95 and 50% humidity, which means it's a nice and comfortable 80 degrees in my air conditioned house. Nice, nice. And we got another sock taker on the panel. It is none other than Mr. Sweet Baby Aaron Gunyan. What's going on, Aaron? Kevin, not a whole lot. I got to tell you, it's a pleasure to be on the podcast. As I sit here, I'm actually watching uh, the baby get changed. So if you hear any shrieking or crying, that's the baby, not me. <laughs> Excellent. And of course, I am your mildly unpleasant host, Kevin Johnston. And we have a great guest for you today. He is a defender for the Pittsburgh Riverhounds. Also does his own podcast, the Backyard Footy Podcast, also part of the Beautiful Game Network that we're a part of. So shout out to the BGN family. It's Hugh Roberts. Hugh, thank you so much for joining us, and how's it going? Of course. Thanks for having me. It's going great. Enjoying this Pittsburgh weather. It's actually really nice out here. Awesome. And um, first things first, you just had a game last night. Tough result. Uh, if you look at the stats, we'll probably jump into that a little bit later. But 1-1 result at home, probably deserved the win. But um, you didn't take the field. You guys have had quite a few games. I think uh, the most USL teams kind of have a jam-packed schedule right now. So uh, right. it's probably just a little routine game off there, Hugh. So first question I'll throw at you is, was it good to get to get a, a night off? Or are you the type of player, you, you're, you're ready to go full 90, you're hungry, you wish you, you, had, you had been in there? Um, I mean, I always wish I could play and be able to be a part of helping the team, but, I mean, you still play a role on the bench, supporting the guys, giving feedback as well. Um, coming from Richmond, my 2006 year where I played every single minute, I'm kind of, not I wouldn't say used to, but I'm comfortable with playing if need be, as, as many stretches as needed as I needed to. But, yeah, sometimes you like to do rotations. That's kind of what happened the other night. But everybody's ready at any time and that's kind of what's good with our depth on the squad so it's been helping us with this run so far this season cool and i actually meant to lead off with this question because this is by far hands down my best question of the night um shout out as i said earlier to the bgn we got a nice slack uh, going there great conversation bunch of great people I'm more of a lurker. I, I post once in a blue moon, but, uh, you know, I usually come in there maybe once a week and just kind of see what's going on. Luckily, I'm so glad I did one time because I saw that you used to play AAU basketball with the one and only <laughs> uh, golden child of Indiana, Victor Oladipo of the Indiana Pacers. So Yes, I did. Definitely have to talk about that uh, right here off the jump. So how was that experience? And... Um, what did you learn, if anything, just from playing next to a guy with that type of competitive drive like a Victor Oladipo? Yeah, it was awesome. I actually 
grew up playing with him and against him. We also went to rival high school, so I used to see him two or three times a year playing against him as well. And then every summer we were hanging out, playing, traveling the country. But learning from him, learning from all those guys back then, we were just very, very competitive. We kind of had the never back down mentality. We were the underdogs in a lot of situations, but we ended up winning a good amount of championships just because of the mentality that we have of just fighting every single game, never stop competing. And that's kind of what transitioned him to the NBA now, and I couldn't be prouder and happier for him. And do you maybe have uh, one particular story you recall um, of your time playing with or against Victor that maybe a funny memory or something like that? <laughs> um, back in high school, I was playing soccer as well, and he used to come out to my soccer games when we used to come and play his rival soccer team. And he came out and sat with, he was sitting with my family, and I ended up scoring against his team. But he was supporting me, of course, so he came on and ran on the field and gave me a dap <laughs> and a hug, even though I scored against his school team. But it just showed that our relationship was really tight, and we're, it goes deeper than a game sometimes. John? Uh, it's, 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 I love these types of stories, just these delightful things. Uh, I don't know if my questions are going to be coming up just yet. I've got a bunch of weird USL stuff I love to talk about. I can start mm -hmm. there if that's where we'd like to go, maybe, Kevin? Yeah, we can jump all over the place, man. Go for it. Okay, so the in, uh, in a lot of my write-ups of USL this year and just conversations I've had with other people, including the guys at Sock Takes, Pittsburgh has been my standout team that I think is actually going to go pretty deep in the playoffs. And I know that you're still with your first season there, but how does this team compare to, say, your time in Richmond a couple years back or even with Bethlehem and the Philly system last season? Yeah, in comparison to my Richmond days, um, back then we were, my rookie year, we were in second, kind of the same position we are now. We are on a 25-game unbeaten run, and when I compare those seasons, <clears throat> my years back then, I want to say the biggest thing for us is the cohesiveness and the, um, sorry, yeah, the cohesiveness and how together that we were. And we literally, of course, there's older guys in the team, there's rookie, I was a rookie at the time, but everybody set the standard and we were all hanging out outside in the field in the locker room. Everyone was social and there wasn't a single person that no one didn't get along with. And that speaks volumes to how we are right now. And we have a very good mixture of older veterans and a lot of young guys. But then there's also a middle ground with a fair amount of guys like me who's been in the league for a little bit and everyone's listens to everyone. They're humble enough to take advice, even from younger players who are in the positions behind them because everyone has to listen to everybody. You just have to play your role. And it's been very, very helpful for us this season. And we've had a good amount of injuries as well, but it's been the next person up mentality. And I feel like because of our cohesiveness, we've been able to respond and everyone has been able to fill in for it anybody on the field. Excellent. And uh, how would you rate Bob Lilly as a coach compared, because you've played under some very experienced and highly regarded coaches in the past. What's the Bob Lilly system feel like as a player? Um, he's a competitor. He's kind of a coach that's where I'd say pressure makes diamonds, but that pressure is good in a sense. It reminds me of kind of a lead Kalashaw back in the day, but um, you know, that competitive drive that he has, he installs that within us. And every single practice is sharp because of it. And every single day we come in ready to learn and ready to listen to him. And we're prepared for whatever changes that he throws our way. And, you know, that's been able 
to help us on the field. And when we have people who are injured, we have to adjust sometimes on the fly. And I don't know if you guys have noticed, but sometimes we change formations in the middle of the game sometimes. And that's just because of him installing that within our practices from the get-go. And we've all stuck to that mentality and we've all just been fighting for each other. So he definitely installed that early. And I feel like that's been the driving factor for his success in a lot of years. I've always played against him, but now that I'm here with his teams and now I see why they're always successful every year. So, yeah, he has a, a lot of success and being here and being a part of it, I'm glad I'm able to witness this and continue this on with my career. Aaron? Excellent. Thanks. I want to talk about the USL and, and the competition as it's evolved over the last few years. You've been in to see a lot of transformation and you've played for a couple different teams. How do you think the competition, especially in the East, which seems to be pretty tight. Uh, how do you think that competition yeah. has improved or stacked up over the last four years? Yeah, this league is getting better every single year. Um, back when I was a rookie in the league, the USO, there's only 18 teams, I believe. So we were traveling to the West Coast, playing some West Coast teams and bouncing around everywhere. But now that's been strictly East and West. Every single year we've been adding new teams like you guys as well. Tampa's been coming in last year. Louisville just came in three years ago, but whenever we, there's been new teams coming in, it's been very, very competitive and very tight, and I think that's been helping to the growth of this whole league. Even though two teams like Red Bull 2 every single year, and even, yeah, Atlanta 2 might not be doing well, but they show quality every single game, and it's a fight every single game because they stick to the system. And same thing with Bethlehem is they're still doing well, and I was there for a full year to witness that myself. But, yeah, this league is very competitive, especially on the east side, and Anybody can take points from anybody, even Toronto as well. And so that just speaks volumes to the USL. And that's why I feel like the D3 is coming along and it's going to transition to the same mentality where all these teams are very competitive. You have Rochester coming in, Toronto going there next year, but they know the USL very well. So they're going to be a dominant force in that league next year. And yeah, USL is continuously growing. And the, play, the quality of players, I want to say, even the younger players that are 16, 17, I think that's one of the biggest differences over the years that the young players are able to keep up with all the veteran guys now, and that's been able to bump up the competition throughout this whole league a lot. So, yeah. The the fact that the league is so tight as far as points and separation kind of in the middle of the pack in the East, I mean, we can make fun of Toronto a little bit. You said they can take points at any time. I mean, I don't know how many points they've taken, but not that many. And <laughs> you can talk badly about them. You can talk badly about them because they don't have any fans, and that's not a jab from <laughs> coming from Indianapolis. That's that's just a jab, but the point is you're absolutely spot on. I think, and I was I was definitely leading you. This competition is fantastic. I love how the teams are so close, but um, in particular, Pittsburgh has had an outstanding season. What do you attribute to that? What do you guys talk about in the locker room? Is there pressure to keep this on you guys? I mean, the, at some point, you know, you got to think this team can't hold up with with the uh, with the points and with the the progress and, and the productivity right. that's been happening all season long. What do you guys talk about in the locker room every week? Yeah, I mean, to be honest, when we first started this run way back in the beginning of the season, we were taking it with a grain of salt just because we knew at any point our season can change, but the success has continued. But I think, like I said, it's been speaking volumes about Bob. Every single day, he's never, he never lets us get complacent. He's always on top of us, which is good as well as I was saying before. Pressure makes diamonds, and it's kept us sharp. And we've played t Toronto three times, and it's tough to play teams three times regardless of the quality of the team and we've been able to get victories each time but you know like I said it's all because of his 
pressure on us, the system that he's installed on us every single day in practice and in training, and it just keeps us keeps us sharp no matter what the results have been going. Yeah, we took an unfortunate result last night, but he was kind of positive about things, which helps us, and we know we we have to go on the road in these next two games and get a result. And we've been doing well on the road as well, and that kind of speaks volumes to him as well because he wants to win on the road as well. And, you know, sometimes teams kind of want to sit back and just get a draw, but he kind of gets mad about those things, and he wants to take these wins almost every single game. And, you know, we bring that same mentality, and we're coming in for a dogfight almost every single game. And the uh, 1-1 result with the Rowdies last night that pushed – Pittsburgh Riverhounds SC's unbeaten streak to five. Um, during that stretch, the first three were wins, followed by two draws. Um, oddly enough, if you look at the numbers, the two draws might even be uh, two of the most pr- impressive performances during that stretch, in my opinion. Uh, if I'm if I'm not mistaken, I think the last two draws, you guys had over seventy percent possession and like more than doubled the the total passes completed and well outshot your opponent. So. Um, despite, you know, the, the, the positive, the, the five unbeaten, do you at all feel like you kind of drop points? Like possibly you, it could be a five game win streak. Yeah, we, this, these past two games, there's been games earlier where we played Tennessee twice at home. We tied zero zero as well. And we've a good amount of games at home where we've bitten our tongue, like, man, we should have won this game. And we felt the same way last night. And, you know, just how the game goes. Sometimes we've gone on the road and gotten some, I wouldn't say lucky draws, but we fought for the last minute to pull out some draws sometimes and it's tough on the road and that's just how the game is sometimes you just got to take it and keep moving on keep moving forward but yeah we definitely feel like we drop some points on Wednesday we like to win almost every single game at home as possible and that's why we kind of you know I wouldn't say been dominant in possession in certain stats but we've been putting our foot on the gas pedal making sure we're ahead of certain teams when they come to our home field advantage so we try to use that to our advantage every single time but you know that's how the game goes sometimes and you just got to keep moving forward. But, yeah, we definitely felt that we dropped some points, but we have some good amount of home games left that we're looking forward to. And I was covering the Indy 11 match last night, so I didn't get to see all your match. I saw the first half of the match last night, and one thing that stood out to me, I've also noticed it earlier this season, uh, about your defensive unit, is that you guys seem to move so well together. I just noticed like a stark contrast, even looking at Tampa Bay, they just, their midfield and defense, the way they move, it was just a little bit slower uh, than what I've seen from you guys this season. Um, Everyone just knows to fill the passing lane and, uh, you know, when to Mm -hmm. leave disengaged from their man, making a run and whatnot. So when did you realize at what point in this season did you realize that you kind of had a special group back there defensively? Was it in preseason? Just on, uh, Was it even before that on paper? You were like, oh, I know these guys are good. Or was it not until a couple games into the season? At what point did you really think that like the defense had fully gelled to, to what it has become? Um, Probably towards the end of preseason after the first couple games. On paper, I've known a good amount of the guys beforehand. So on paper, we looked all right, but we we all faced were facing Bob for the first time and new structure. We didn't know we'd be gelling this well. We knew the possibilities. Bob was pretty good defensively throughout the year, so we knew he'd come in with some defensive standpoints. But to be honest, we didn't think we'd be this good. And we first couple of games we're getting shutouts here and there, and we having good results. But we're like, all right, well, we still have a long, long season to go. We'll just take this by stride and keep going. And then. Another shutout, another shutout here. And Dan having a great season so far. I'm lucky with his injury. But, yeah, we 
didn't know we were this good to start the season until after a couple games. And then probably that Cincinnati game, we first played them, we tied 2-2, but we were, we had to lead twice. And we knew from there kind of that we're here to stay in this league and we're going to be good defensively throughout the rest of the season. John? So I've got two questions that I'm just curious about. And they, they're both a little bit multi-part. The first is, this year, which teams do you enjoy playing against the most? And which teams do you hate playing against the most? And it can be <laughs> anything like, you hate if you hate their stadium, or they've got the most obnoxious fans, or if just going up against each other, it's just a fun, fierce game, any sort of that thing. What, what are your thoughts? Um, give me a sec real quick. Um, Not in terms problem. of Take the time. field, I'd say we don't really look forward to Louisville. We, of course, we look forward to playing them, but in terms of the field, we know it's smaller and that baseball diamond, yeah, it's not the best. But in terms of looking forward to a competition every single day, it was probably Cincinnati. We unfortunately took a loss to them during Open Cup, and we drew them at their place, but it's always been a dog fight. And I feel, this is my first year here, but I guess there's some kind of big rivalry between Cincinnati and Pittsburgh. I, I want to say it's because of the football team, so I've been following on Twitter, and people have been talking a little smack and stuff, just bringing on the hype for this next week. So it's been interesting to hear what fans have been talking about on things, but we look forward to the, those Cincinnati matchups and um, Louisville's, oh, and Charleston too, probably Charleston, they took points from us here at home, and we had a good result down there. But they fight, and they're probably just as athletic as we are, and we know that's a dog fight every single game. So probably definitely those two teams. Yeah, that that definitely makes sense. And that I've I've seen those Cincinnati Pittsburgh games, and it's as as just a, a neutral observer, it's legitimately amazing to watch. And then carrying on from that. <laughs> Which goal was more felt better for you? Was scoring the one goal against Cincinnati last year with Bethlehem or your first career goal in the professional leagues to tie it 1-1 against Wilmington? Oh, wow. That's a good question. <laughs> um, at the moment, I probably have to stick with Wilmington because Cincinnati at the time, it was 0-0, and, you know, my goal obviously won the game, but I felt like we were still satisfied with a tie if that game didn't finish 1-0. But that Wilmington game meant a lot because, one, yes, it was my first professional goal, but I believe I went up at the time, and I was the center back. I used to play forwards, so I look forward to those moments, and I have pretty good chemistry with the forwards, and just the fact that I scored a game-time tying goal and we were on a streak as well at that point in the playoffs on the line, I think we're fighting for a top-four position. There was a lot at stake at that time of the season, so I felt like that meant a little more to me, and I was <laughs> definitely hard to get my first professional goal ever at that moment. Yeah, I, I, can, I can definitely see that. Thank you. Of course. Aaron? Yeah, piggybacking off of um, rivalries a little bit, you know, I'm, we have to apologize. We don't normally have players on the podcast. We get a lot of GMs, you know, like NPSL people, USL. You know, we get we get a lot of interesting people, but not players. So I want to talk a little bit about your own scouting report, and I want you to scout yourself. 
Yeah. I want you to tell me without giving away your your secrets. I want you to say maybe who you think, what type of player you match up best against. You know what what player do you think that you have the best advantages on? Not to say who do you think you're going to dominate, but but where do you think your <laughs> strengths are on the field? And then we'll see. Like, because I'm thinking from the perspective, Indy 11, you know, you're coming to Indianapolis in a few days, uh-huh. and we've got a tiny forward, Jack McInerney. He's like 5'9". I mean, I'm, I'm, thinking, I'm thinking you're going to eat him alive, and I'm not going to ask you to put yourself on record saying that you're going to, you know, own him throughout the course of the game because he's made a <laughs> professional career scoring against, you know, defenders yeah. all over the place. But tell me, what what's the guy that you want to match up against? What What type of... What type of skill set do you bring to your defensive position? Well, for me personally, I'd say one of my greatest assets is probably in the air and some of my athletic abilities. And I'm coming from a forward background, so I feel like reading the game, coming from a forward's mindset has been helping me tremendously as a center back. I'm able to get the cues sometimes that the midfielder may look at the forwards, center back look at the forwards. I can read those kind of the same cues. But as a center back, you know, we kind of like the forwards who are more stationary. And I don't even mind sometimes big forwards because I know it's going to be a battle in the air. But like I said, some of my assets is in the air. So if, if that comes to it, I don't mind that. But back in when I first started playing center back, I used to think the same thing. Like the smaller forwards, you know, I'm going to eat them up every time. And I did for the most part until I remember my rookie season. And it was Matt Fondy who played for Louisville. And he was shorter. He was like 5'8", five, 5'9". Five, but that guy's movement changed the, my whole mentality as a forward and as a center back. I was like, man, I couldn't find this guy at all in the field. And I lost him. We ended up losing that game, I think, like 3-1, and he scored two of those goals. And, yeah, he had a phenomenal game. And that kind of changed my perspective on shorter players. You know, they have the right IQ sometimes. And even Nico, for example, when we're battling on the fi- in practice, sometimes I'm like, man, I, I, okay, I got Nico all the time. But then he stuck into the field or – Sometimes you, he might lose people or he disappears or he has the right perfect movement. And as a center back, sometimes you can't stop a great through ball with a great time run. And a lot of shorter forwards have that mindset and the mentality. They find the right um, spaces and the right pockets at the right time and have the right chemistry. And even, uh, I believe his name is Lancaster out in Louisville, he's shorter too, but he's scoring 15 goals and it's based off his movement, his chemistry, and you know the ability to lose yourself with these center backs. So, a lot of times I've thought the same thing as well, but the game's gotten better. The USL's gotten better, the scouting, and there's a lot more film into it, and forwards have gotten a lot better. So, honestly, as a center back, probably just those forwards who are more stationary, but the game's changed a lot, and even the shorter forwards have become very, very effective and dynamic. So, Yeah, absolutely, and I'm not even talking negatively about Jack Mack, he's got seven goals for Indy, yeah, and, yeah. and about five of them, I think, are with his head. So something, right. I mean, I just gave you a free scouting report. There you go. Just pay attention. <laughs> Watch his movement. Um, like, you guys don't have film rooms, whatever. So I'm going to transition entirely, and I'm going to talk about your own podcast. And this is something that I find really interesting, because we know you're not podcasting for the money. Right. So what? So why do you do it? What's it all about? So about a year ago, I was, you know, everybody watches ESPN all the time, and I'm just sitting there, and I'm like, man, these guys never really talk about soccer. And then it led me on to, you know, 
there's also never really a podcast or a perspective from actual professionals like these analysts talk about the sport of the game, of course, but a lot of them haven't really played it, nor are you getting an actual inside look of professionals during their season. So I've thought about things, and you know, I've been in this league now for five years, and I have a good resource, a good resourceful connection throughout this whole league, and I feel like at the time I should have used that to my benefit, and I did, and that's what kind of led me to starting this. And, you know, of course, to start, you pay, like, I paid less than $200 for my, both my mics. It came with everything, and it's pretty much free, and it's pretty much me managing my, all my social media accounts, which has been fun for me as well, and I've been getting a lot of great feedback. And us, from us professionals as, as a player, all my boys and all the people I've been hearing from, everyone's been reaching out to me like, man, like, we've been looking for a platform like this for a while, and, you know, us as soccer players and soccer in America is not the biggest sport, and so we want to continue to in- increase the popularity of the sport in this country. So as soon as they heard about this opportunity, I'm still getting people reaching out to me right now, trying to, you know, express their experiences and their journeys and their thoughts in this country and this game. And everyone's been willing to share, which has been awesome for me. And you know, I've just been giving these players the same platform that I would want as well, and it's been tremendous this feedback and you know, hearing from all these players and their journeys. I have to say that's outstanding. I'm going to pass the mic over, but I, I did like to hear that. And that's, I mean, that's a good chunk of the reason why you're talking to us right now at the same time. I think it's fantastic yeah. what you're doing. Thank you. And speaking of the backyard footy podcast, I'm curious to know once your uh, playing career is over, Hugh, do you think that you might have a future in sports media? Um, and if not, what field do you think, um, is in your future upon the completion of your career? I think so. I think um, the big picture of this whole dream and vision, you know, even if something happened to me kind of soon is to hopefully continuously increase my popularity with backyard footy, bring that up on my career as well and continuously put that on the map. I mean, the main goal would be to be on ESPN one day talking about not just my podcast, but soccer specifically in general, because like I said, this it's never ever being talked about and they talk about every single sport. Even the other day I was watching um Cornhole on ESPN and I'm like, Man, Cornhole's getting all this T V time, but Saga can't even get any T V time. So, you know, if I have to be one of those figures at some point in my life and my career, that'd be awesome because I love to do that and that's kinda why, like I said earlier, I started this podcast. But I I, I do see myself in, in the media as well. Awesome. And personally, I've never been out to Highmark Stadium. It looks quite charming, you know, when I'm watching the stream, it is. The, the river flowing there. So I'd love to, to set foot in there one day. Uh, heard an interesting fact that I just wasn't aware of uh, during the broadcast last night, which is that there's never been a USL playoff game hosted there. So, of course, you're oh, wow. on the right track to do so this year. Uh, what does it look like to, to host your first ever game in Highmark Stadium? Yeah, I mean, that's I didn't even know that fact myself, but yeah, it's looking really good. And because of that and because of our success, the turnout has been amazing. Um, even on a Wednesday night last night, I think we had a little less than 3000, but in this little stadium, you can feel the atmosphere. I wouldn't say it's like a Cincinnati, yes, but it's probably like a Louisville feeling because everyone, the fans are right on top of you and you just feel the atmosphere and it's great. And, that excitement, the buzz around the city, they've been promoting us a lot more, showing us on TV more locally and stuff, and we've been getting some good results. So everyone, I feel like, has been dying for some some success around here in the city, and now that we've been bringing a little bit of success, like everyone's been turning out and stuff. So 
we can feel the excitement. We definitely want to keep that going because we want to continuously put soccer on the map here in Pittsburgh. John, any uh, final questions for Hugh? Uh, yeah, yeah, I've got, I've just got one that, that we, we mentioned a little bit. And with those two teams you've talked about, I actually have two questions I'm going to do. One of them is, so you've said Louisville and Cincinnati, always fun to go up against. Who's a bigger pain in the mm-hmm. ass to deal with? Cameron Lancaster or Emmanuel Ledesma? Uh, <laughs> um, I'd say a little more Lancaster just because Ledesma is kind of more out wide, but he likes to cut in. And so we wouldn't deal with him for a full 90 unless he's coming in centrally and obviously with the double team help our other defenders. But Lancaster, yeah, he's, a handful. Like I was saying earlier with the smaller forwards, sometimes they can get lost and he they have a great chemistry as a team and so he doesn't even have to be at the right spot sometimes. He can even just be all size chilling because he knows the he knows the ball's gonna come to him. So as defenders you're always constantly keeping your line, you know, moving forward and back, keeping your line tight. But if you can't find certain forwards sometimes and they have great chemistry and timing, it can cause a lot of trouble. So I'd say out of the two, probably him, but Ledesma, he's been having a phenomenal year and his goals and yeah, he's been all over ESPN and all those things. So they're both very dangerous, but just based off positionally, I'd say Lancaster a little bit. And a second one on to, to go off of some of the media related questions. Let's say it's seven years down the line and you've retired from USL. You got the call to come work for ESPN doing their USL Game of the Week coverage. Are you the type of guy who'd rather be up in the booth calling the games, down on the sidelines, doing, you know, the uh, on-the-field stuff, or in the studio doing, like, the league wraparound? What's what's sort of your thing that if you could pick any soccer-related job on TV, what's your pick? Probably. Probably on the field. I like to get a hands-on approach. I like to feel the atmosphere. I like to see what the coaches are talking about and just get a sense of what's the atmosphere, like I said earlier, what's really going on in the field. Sometimes in the booth, you only see a limited amount of things because, you know, you're up in the booth, you're more secluded. But on the field, I probably prefer that more. And probably because I've been playing the game for so long that I just like to hear people's reactions, their emotions, the chemistry, and just get a good feel of what's really going on because people sometimes add their two cents, yes, but if you're actually on the field getting your own sense of the game, you can put your own images and ideas of what's really going on. So that's probably my approach to things. Aaron, any final questions? Cool. So I'm just, you know, twittering around. I'm on social media right now. I'm looking at superhuman at HughRob13. And... (laughs) Pinned tweet. I mean, obviously, I'm just I'm just scanning. I'm just out there right now. Uh, from 2016, so you don't update your pins too often, but that's not a big deal. There's a picture of a little girl who is mesmerized by your face or your presence, your aura, whatever it may be. Everybody who's listening right now, go ahead and follow at HughRob13. I'm shilling all day long. I mean, I'm a huge fan of yours right now. So, um, again, super superhuman i'm loving this play on words anyway you've had two years to think about this what was that little girl what was she thinking about what what's going through her mind we're going to retweet this here in a little bit 
And uh, we want everybody yeah. to follow along and we want people to fill in, you know, truthfully, after two years, I would have expected more comments um, on I this know, photo right? that's been <laughs> pinned. But but tell me your thoughts now. Yeah, so at the time, um, we kind of do the same similar thing here in Pittsburgh. You know, the fans are able to come onto the field and sign autographs. So I, I remember at that time, there's just a bunch of kids that were around me asking for autographs. And, you know, I didn't even notice her reaction until that picture. And I zoomed in on the picture. That's because you're so tall. Yeah, and I'm looking at these other kids just trying to sign things real quick. But if I had an idea what was going through her head, it was probably just like, wow, who is this big, tall guy? Professional athlete with a beard and things. And I mean, I'm sure she was just shocked to be on the field and just, you know, meet professional players as well. But I still, to this day, think it's hilarious. Just sometimes kids' reactions without them even noticing what they're reacting to. And that's just the rawness that kids bring sometimes. So I, I still love that picture to this day. Yeah, the photo is special. And, uh, yeah, she's just, I mean, you're twice her size, but her eyes are just <laughs> enormous. Like they're bugging right out of her head. Glad I got to share that moment, even though it was in Richmond. So we'll get you a new photo sometime, maybe, uh, hanging out with some kids in Indianapolis. Yeah, yeah, that'd be great. And uh, last question I got for you, Hugh, is one thing I wanted to follow up on that I heard on your pod. Uh, I think it was probably my favorite episode of your pod. I can't remember who the players were, so maybe you can recall. But it was two guys, and you were kind of just talking about your experiences through the youth system. And um, um, I think it was a player who's drafted by FC Dallas, perhaps, if that rings a bell. Oh, Alex uh, Lee. Yeah, and uh, he, yeah, uh, it was I think he maybe that, was on like, the youth system. one player. Okay, and I think he like had experience and on the U seventeen youth national team or something. Yeah, he did. Um, let me think real quick. I'll look it up for you right now. Actually. Okay, it might have been like episode two. I think it was one of your earlier ones. But um, anyway, I love the episode, and one of the uh, the undertones kind of going on in that episode that I really kind of resonated with me was uh, I guess the best way to describe it is kind of accepting your lot as a player or uh, uh, maturing as a player, I guess is the easier way to say it. And what I mean by that is it's something that, you know, it's relatable no matter what you do, whether you're a soccer player or any field that you're in. Uh, You know, I'm in accounting. You know, I'm not the COO at Amazon. You know, I'm not the controller Mm -hmm. at Apple. You know what I mean? So Mm-hmm. Um, the thing about the USL is a lot of the players, you know, they were MLS super draft picks or guys who, you know, they flirted with something greater. Maybe, um, you know, plenty of the guys are prospects with the greener pastures to go. But, um, you know, whatever field you're in, whether it's soccer or whatever, like I said, you know, at some point you just kind of, you know, everyone wants to be the best. You know, everyone wants right. to be messy. Everyone wants to be CR7. So um, as you get older, you know, and, you know, you're not on, you know, the national team or whatever. How do you begin to, 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 to cope with that mentally and kind of accept your lot and still maintain the drive, you know, to win and compete at the level you're at? Yeah. Yeah, and it's, I know exactly which episode you're talking about now because I remember that topic of conversation. But personally, I've always thought that the mental aspect of the game is just as important as the physical and athletic side because, you know, you, like you said, you have the biggest dreams as a kid, but then life hits you and you have to face reality sometimes, whether that's in college or injuries or people playing over you in positions. But 
you know, like I said earlier, the mentality, you have to have the mentality where you never kind of give up on your dreams. You say, okay, well, this guy might be ahead of me right now, but, you know, my time's coming. You just have to be ready whenever your moment's coming. Of course, there's times where you're going to be hard on yourself and you're going to be down on yourself, but you have to keep going if you want to especially be successful in this career. But, again, like I was saying earlier, when life is hitting you sometimes, and that was interview certain players, and, you know, they've come to a certain point in their career where a different calling just happens also through their professional career where they realize, all right, well, I might not be a Messi or not. I might not make it to the MLS U.S. national team, but I'm still going to affect the game somehow. And a lot of times, even with me with this podcast, very thankful I'm doing this career right now where I got this a platform to do this podcast. Deli and Nate, who I was interviewing one of my episodes as well, Deli's a legend in the USL. Nate's a legend in the Richmond area, played for Oklahoma City and Richmond as well. But they kind of realized that all right, they're not going to make it to the MLS. Let me start my own company called Cinesports that's now worth almost half a mil and they're nationwide throughout multiple universities to do this videography with company and they have video cameras throughout every single practice and very, very high tech. But it's all because, you know, they found their stitch here in Richmond, but then another calling happened. And, you know, sometimes you just got to roll with life when it hits you sometimes. And Yeah, you just roll with it. And that's what's kind of been leading me in my career and it's been leading a bunch of people and that I've met throughout my career as well. Well, Hugh Roberts has been our guest today, center back for Pittsburgh Riverhounds SC. Hugh, thank you so much for joining us. Could you plug and tell our listeners where to find you as well as the Backyard Footy podcast on social media? Of course. You can follow me at Backyard Footy on Twitter. That's Backyard Footy, all one word, F-O-O-T-Y. And you can also follow me on Instagram as Backyard Footy as well, but with two Ys, double Y. And I'm also on Facebook at Backyard Footy. So give me a follow on any social media handle. And I'm also on iTunes. That's Backyard Footy. But it's all um, each separate words, Backyard Footy. And follow along because I'm releasing a new episode tomorrow with three guests here from Pittsburgh. And you can also follow me personally on social media. I'm superhuman on Instagram, (laughs) super H-U-G-H man. And I'm also Hugh13, as I said, on Twitter. So. Yeah, please feel free to give me a follow anytime and enjoy my podcast and episodes and hear from your favorite players throughout the league. And huge thanks to my co-hosts, Aaron Gunyan and John Leonard. Also, big thanks to our sponsor, Roughneck Scarves, official scarf supplier of MLS, USL, and U.S. soccer. Get custom scarves for your group or team at roughneckscarves.com. This has been episode 53 of the Sock Takes Pod. I'm your host, Kevin Johnston. We will be back next week with another episode. Not sure who the guest will be, but we'll get a a nice guest lined up, hopefully. And we'll catch you guys soon. Until then, uh, watch plenty of footy and enjoy the weekend. Good night.